0: Well, good morning, church. Are you glad to be here today? We're so glad that you're joining us and in the room and joining us online. Uh, If you've got kids or students, go online, register them, go to the guest services. We would love to have your uh, kids and students involved this year. We're a church that believes in the next generation. Can I get a yes? So we believe in that, and we're going to keep moving forward. Speaking of forward... Our forward offering is next week. And many of you, come on now, somebody's getting excited. We are really excited. If you're not aware of what this is, a few weeks ago I explained it more, uh, but we were approached by our lender who helped us build this building uh, years ago and came to us and presented an opportunity that two and a half million dollars, which is a quarter of what we have in debt, uh, was gave us the opportunity that if we can come up with one million dollars by the end of June, that we would be able to wipe off an additional one point five million. So anyway, it ends up being two and a half million dollars taken off our debt in totality. That's tens and, tens and tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in in interest, and that's just so much money that we have. Or that we're able to save monthly and weekly and yearly and uh, decadely, <laughs> and I want you, I want you to know that this is a huge blessing that has been brought to us. And many people could be asking, well, why? I explained more detail a few weeks ago. There's kind of a soup of different reasons, but I would like to say it like this. We are actually very strong financially right now. We've not missed a payment. We've not missed a payroll. We are, God is blessing us financially. And so we're in a good place. So the bank came to us and we were like, Uh, glory G to Jesus. You know what I mean? Let's get on this. We're going to take this opportunity. And what the devil meant for evil, God's going to make it for the good. Can I get an amen? So the good news is we've already paid half of it. And next week, people have already been paying into it. and, 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 And I've just been so blessed to hear what's been already coming in. And so if you want to give to it, you can start giving to it now. My wife and I, we've been giving to it already. And so on the online giving, you can see the forward drop down or on your checking, just write forward. Uh, But next week is our finale. And we're believing God that we're going to stand in front of you in the next few weeks and tell you that we paid off two and a half million dollars in debt (laughs) in 30 days. Can I get a big amen? All right. Everybody say untamed. untamed. This is a... A series that I'm going to go through for this month that really came to me in a time of prayer. I spent some time alone and about three or four weeks ago, and really felt the spirit of God bubble something up in me. and I don't say that lightly, I don't say that a lot, but this series really spoke to me. So today may be a little different than what you're used to. I'm going to speak a little bit from my heart.' been raised in church. Uh, a lot of my li- all of my life, and I just see some things as a pastor's kid and as a pastor that I wanna speak to that I feel it is important and pertinent to the future of the overall church. So I gotta give a little bit of a disclaimer as we talk. This is the kind of message that could be misunderstood, and I really want you to open your heart and your mind to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is not just saying to our local body, but also to the church as a whole. So are you ready? A couple years ago, I was in uh, the zoo in Columbus, Ohio, and there's a gorilla exhibit there, and when you go through the zoo, you see this large gorilla in a cage and has a big statue that says born in captivity, letting us know that this particular gorilla has never seen the outside world. That, that gorilla was born, was bred and born and raised in those facilities. So that gorilla has never played in the jungle like wild gorillas. That gorilla has never eaten bananas that he picked from a tree in the wild. That that gorilla never drank from a stream in the jungle. It's kind of actually kind of fascinating, really sad when you think about that this gorilla has never lived up to its full potential. It's well fed. It's pampered. It's cared for. It's safe. And then as I, begin to think about it that I wonder if I've been born in captivity. And and let me go a little step further. I wonder if there's a new breed of Christian in the church today that has been raised and born in captivity. We're well fed. We're well pampered. We got air conditioned buildings. Have you seen our LED screens? We got kids check-ins. But are we, but are we tame? When I think back through our ancestors in the faith, in the work that they've done, In the cities, they turned upside down. The churches they built. The Bibles they smuggled in. The blood that was shed, literally shed, for the kingdom of God. I can't help but wonder, have we smoothed out the edges of Christianity to be more desirable? Have we bubble-wrapped the church and its message so we don't lose members? Am I talking to anybody? You can talk back to me a little bit, 11. It almost seems that we have put child safety locks on our faith in the church to almost imply that you can have faith, but don't get carried away and definitely don't bother others with it. So as a result of us being born in this plastic cage called the church. We've regulated the church to a Sunday morning time spot with our online experience, our denominational group, a property with a sign and an address, with our small groups and our worship teams, and we say that, that's the church. That is what Christ died for. That's what Jesus went to the cross, was beaten and bruised and battered, so a bunch of people can gather for 75 minutes on a Sunday morning and not disturb the culture and come together. Come on, come on. I told you this sermon's gonna get weird today. I t- There is a danger with the domesticated church. Somebody say, Yeah. If there's anything I need you to walk away from, it's that first point that there is a danger to what we have been producing in church life. Today is Pentecost Sunday. This is seen in the book of Acts as the birth of the church. When you look, in the Bible the book of Acts is actually could be called the book of action it is the it is the chronological history the document documentation if you will the rosetta stone of the first century church it is what we desperately need to move forward to understand the past. We, we have to know that the book of Acts, God sovereignly made sure it got in the Bible so that we would not try to produce church in our own power, knowing that when you look how it started is exactly how it should finish. Can I get a yes? Jesus' ministry on earth has been finished when you look into the book of Acts. He had cast out demons. He had healed blind men. He had fed the 5,000. His sermons on earth have been preached. The miracles in his ministry are over. But before he wraps up his ministry, the night before he's crucified, he's sitting with his disciples and he shares this crazy bit of information. John chapter 14, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, truly, truly, I tell you this. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Mm. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Wait a minute. You can't leave Jesus. Well, how are we going to do miracles that you've done with you not here? Well, he didn't finish. Verse 16, he goes, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Watch what he says in verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Well, you just told us you're leaving. He's saying, I'm coming back, but it won't look like this. Stay with me. Are you still there? Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. In fact, in just a few hours, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to be buried. And then in a few days, I'm going to, I'm going to resurrect. And then in a few more days, I'm going to ascend and you're going to watch me flow away. You're going to see me no more, but you will see me. What are you talking about? He's looking at his disciples and saying, what you're going to see is going to be me, but it won't be me. It won't look like me. I'm going to send another comforter. The Bible calls it the Holy Spirit paracletos, which means a carbon copy. I'm going to come back, but I will not be seen. It will be my spirit. My Holy Spirit will come in you. It won't just rest on you like you've always seen it in the Bible in the Old Testament. The spirit won't just be with you. But when this spirit comes, when the church is born, this spirit of God is going to live in you. He is telling them that when I go to my Father, I'm gonna send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be inside of you. Jesus is informing them that when the Spirit comes and lives in you, it will change absolutely everything. When the Spirit of God comes, Jesus is informing them that normalcy will be disrupted There will be a new game in town. It will be the beginning of a new thing called the church. Jesus later said in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What Jesus is saying that when the Holy Spirit comes, you better watch out because it's going to affect the region. Ultimately, he's saying the communities around us will feel the presence of the people of God. He is saying that the cities will see the impact of lives being changed. they will observe this new movement of these men who and women and families who are following this man who was supposedly raised from the dead and when this spirit is in them, they're going to be unified and Greeks and 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 and, 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 and and, and Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles they 're all going to worship together they 're going to look different, but they 're going to be united. What is this holy Spirit? Something's different here and and, and you it 's just different. You, you see people coming together and traveling and preaching and doing things that they didn 't do before the Holy Spirit came. in fact, when the night of Jesus' crucifixion, you remember Peter? You remember that he denied Christ three times? Will you just flip over to after the Holy Spirit falls? The same man that quaked in the presence of somebody asking if he just knew Jesus is the man who later in Acts chapter 2 stands up in front of everybody and begins to preach a three-minute sermon that saves 3,000 people. Something happened in Peter. He got the Holy Spirit. Come on, I need to talk to somebody. The church needs the Holy Spirit. The church, hear me today, was born to be wild. I didn't say the church was supposed to be weird. I didn't say the church was supposed to be out of order. I didn't say the church was supposed to be unbiblical. What I'm saying is the church needs to unlock the cage and become untamed again. The church is not to be relegated or regulated to a predictable format. The church is not to be this gathering together of sheepish, passive, quiet people who have turned into a voting block in Washington, D.C. Ain't nobody helping me today. When you look through the Bible and you scan through the pages of the book of Acts and you look, you see things like Acts chapter number two, where the Holy Spirit fell. You see things like in chapter number three, where Peter and John's on their way to a church meeting. And on the outside, there's a man who for 40 years was carried by his friends, laid at the gate, called Beautiful, and when he sees them, Darren, it's so good to see you, my man. So good to see you. You did an excellent job at your brother's funeral, or your father's funeral yesterday. You're a good man, man. I love you. When you see Acts chapter number 3, this man's lame at the gate, called beautiful, crippled, messed up. Peter and John walking into church and see him and they say, hey, look at us. Look at us. And the man, the Bible says, looked at them expecting alms, expecting money because he's begging for money for survival. There was no financial security at the time. There was no government programs. He's just begging for money. And what happens next, Peter and John look at him and says, Hey, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have. Give I unto thee, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the Bible says they grabbed his hand, pulled him up, and his ankle bones received strength, and he stood, and he leaped, and he praised God. In front of everybody, a notable, notable miracle has taken place. You go through pages and you see that it starts with 120 folks in the upper room. You see it moves later into chapter 4 where the Bible says 5,000 believe. And then later, or 3,000 in chapter 2, chapter 4, 5,000 believe. You just see this expansive, uh, 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 progressive, and exciting, and and life-giving Experience and you find in Acts chapter 17, by the time you flip a few pages, you get a few years into the action of the apostles, you find that it says that these men have turned the world upside down. These these men, these these uneducated, uninformed. Many believed even illiterate teenagers who just got baptized in the power of God begin to go out and cast out demons and build churches and do something that the world has never seen. The church was made to be wild. The church had no buildings as we know them, no denominations, no statements of faith to sign, no live stream, no cutting-edge, non-denominational churches. But what they did have was passion. What they did have was power. What they did have was praise. What they did have was prayer. There was just something radical, something different. What was it? And with this great move of God on the earth, you find this really interesting thing begins to happen. Peter and John heal the man and afterwards we got a problem. And there's no fight like a church fight. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Acts chapter number four. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Notice it wasn't the government. It was other church folk. It was other local pastors. It was elders and deacons and overseers, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and prophets and And whoever else wants to be called. (laughs) Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, these are the same men, mind you, that Jesus stood in front of. And now they're out preaching, doing miracles in the name of the man they had killed. Can you imagine that meeting? Watch this. And they arrested them. Put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. It was a cultural thing, they didn't meet in the evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came about 5,000. Isn't it interesting that once they start having progress, there comes a little persecution. The church was spiritually empowered, but greatly opposed. I once read that the church was thrown to the lions as soon as it was born. We have to be careful in 2022, and I need you to hear me, to not lose our outlaw spirit. To not lose that ability To handle opposition in the face of an effective, healthy move of God. You know what I find is that when we are under pressure, Christians, churches, it's like we roll over and we play dead. You ever, I was watching something one day and they said, if a bear ever attacks you, they say, roll over, play dead, and cover your neck. You ever heard that? cover your main arteries. And here's what I think is funny, is that that's almost like the church. Well, as soon as culture starts getting real rowdy about a hot topic, the church rolls over and plays dead and covers their arteries, covers their main givers, I mean their arteries, <laughs> covers their worship team, I mean their arteries, covers cover their influencers, I mean their arteries, just, work, just play dead, no sudden movements, nobody move, this too, this too shall pass. We played dead, and, and my thing is, if we're the church of the living God, we're gonna have some people not liking what we're doing. We, we, we may not get the key to the city, y'all. Paul said, I fought the beast in Ephesus. Where is this, this, this bulldog mentality? Where is this vicious, this this pushback that says, you know what? I know you can arrest me. I know you can persecute me. I know you can oppose me. But greater is he that is in me. Am I talking to anybody at 11 o'clock? And greater is he that is in me. We like the church to be liked. We want the church to be effective. And I I agree with that. But I'm coming to the understanding that that if the church is effective, it may not always be liked. And if the church is liked, it may not always be effective. What if preaching God's word didn't fill the seats? And someone said, well, that can't be God because full rooms prove God's there. Honey, no way. Garth Brooks is going to pack it out in Birmingham. I know because I can't get a ticket at all. They're like 150 bucks for the nosebleeds. And I'm like, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Anybody know Feel the anointing? Doesn't mean he's anointed. He's gifted. He's creative. He's amazing. He's all that. Somebody, yes, praise God, Garth Brooks. But that but 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 he can fill a room. We can fill rooms because we know how to build church without God. Y'all don't like it. Am I talking to anybody? This side likes me. Let me talk to y'all. Am I talking to anybody over here that knows the church has need of the anointing again? Let me talk this side over here. If the younger generation, we don't want you born in captivity. We want to see you grow in who God called you to be. So forgive us for trying to produce something that the book of Acts did with the power of God. Now we do a PowerPoint. Let me come back over here and relax. It's stressing me out. We try to impress culture, trying to win the approval of the community. We don't want to be criticized. I get it. But Jesus said, they persecuted me first. And I'm not against all these things. Hear me, I love the screens and the, and the stuff. I don't even know what all this stuff does. I'm thankful for the cameras and the live stream and the building and the chairs and the kids ministry and the check-in and all of it. But we use them, hear me, for the glory of God. But hear me, they are not the glory of God. Those screens ain't saved anybody. That, that's kids check-in, not the blood of Jesus. This room isn't the anointing. We use these things to get you into the thing we can't produce. We will do what we can do. We know God will do what we can't do. Oh, come on, I need a little help in the room today. Is there anybody know what I'm talking about? Is there anybody from the church where you used to go in the building and you said, this has to be the anointing. I don't know how this happened, but the power of God must be in here right now. Too many people leave like they came. When the anointing comes, the Bible says that the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. We live, people walk out impressed with our church. What if people walked out imparted by the power of God? Oh, I'm stupid today. Chill out, people. The Bible says they were arrested in Acts chapter number four, verse thirteen. They met with them, and the Bible says they they saw the boldness of Peter and John. It was something about. Something about this, these guys, man. It's just bold. And they perceived they were uneducated. They were common men. They, they were astonished. But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Something's different about these boys. I, I can't put my finger on it. They, they're, not, they're not well connected. They're not smart guys, they're not book smart, they didn't go to rabbi school. What the fishermen, you know. But something about when you really get with Jesus, that hear me today, the church will become more and more domesticated the less and less time we spend with Jesus. If what we're doing is building empires rather than kingdom, we've learned to build empires for pastors who are insecure that want to have a big platform. They hate the people, but they love the crowd. This is too rough today. Eleven, you can't handle it. Those risers back there are like, we walking out preaching, we walking out. If God elevates my ministry to the point that I go out and travel and speak, and I get opportunities some, that's great. If God opens those doors, that's great. But if I push those doors, trying to be somebody, try to take this platform and make it my own thing, and my domain, and my ivory tower, and are you impressed with me yet? Somebody need to hug me as a kid, if that's what I'm doing with you people. If I'm, because people feel your insecurities. And if I'm an insecure preacher trying to, and we all got insecurities, don't get me wrong. I ain't got it all together. Ask my wife. She's down there like. <laughs> but we got to be careful because what we think is really anointing and calling is a lot of ambition. And you got to be careful that a lot of ambition wasn't birthed from a lot of insecurities. So, it's about getting followers. It's about getting a brand. It's about getting a name. It's about building some. But what's it about? Why, why can't we build the church? Let's build the kingdom. Let's, let, if God blesses it and I get to go out and God opens doors, great, great. But I don't want it to be by my own power and my own wit and my own networking and my own sly business gifting. No, no, no. It'll be because God said, we got to get this boy and get his voice out. If God does it, great but I'm called to pastor a local, healthy, strong, vibrant church. They see that they have been with Jesus, Acts number four, but in order that they may spread no further among the people, let us warn them, the council's talking about Peter and John, to speak no more to anyone in this name, the name of the guy you killed so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you go ahead and be the judge of that. Here's one of my final points for you today is this. The church, the church, the real church has an audience of one, of one. Leonard Ravenhill, one bad boy, he said, if we displease God, does it matter whom we please? If we please him, does it matter whom we displease? Here's, let me just talk from my heart for a minute. If you can handle this, I don't know. We're going to find out today with emails. Culture has moved to superficial connectivity through social media so everything is cropped filtered shaped edited you understand and 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 businesses flourish that way and, and people are literally famous for nothing but being good looking and can post their pictures and people pay them 10 grand to wear their outfits and their it's a different world but the problem is we use social media as a tool okay it's not a toy This, this new thing of, and I'm just talking. This new thing of everything skin deep is bleeding into the church. It's, it's bleeding in the church, and, and we are more concerned with going viral. We, we, want, to be, we want to be seen, so, so, so we buy followers, we buy views on youtube because we need to seem valid we need to feel important if we didn't get a lot of likes and a lot of followers and a lot of affirmation then 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 what do we what do we do the church i fear is becoming a superficial church where it is about the hype where it is about the program Word is about how to get you in and pump you out and try to impress you to keep you And, and, and I'm just being real. Can you handle this? Yeah. It's almost like we've become fake and artificial. Leonard Ravenhill again quoted this. Pastor Aaron gave me this quote, so if this offends you, email him. The church right now, he wrote this in the 60s, the church right now has more fashion than passion, is more pathetic than prophetic, and is more superficial than supernatural. I fear, I fear that we've learned how to do church. I fear we've learned how to produce church, to look and sound like church. And I'm talking about globally. I fear we've learned to do it and forgot how to be it. We have an audience of one. What if it doesn't get you followers? What if you don't get the affirmation? What if you don't get the attention? What if our church isn't that big? What if we're not that big famous church in the United States? You know, I've been guilty. I even hate to tell you this, you may judge me a little bit. I've been guilty of driving past these little A-frame churches and judging them. they like, "Oh, poor little church. They just can get it together. They, can just, they just need a little of this, a little of that. And, and yes, there could be practical truths to that of excellence or whatever, but I was raised in those little A-frame churches. That's where I come from. My family still goes to them. My dad has never preached to a room this big. To this day, travels and preaches and little revivals all over, 20, 30, 50 people. That's what he does, and he has an audience of one. The preacher that got him saved, you would never know him, Clay. But he had an audience of one. Never passed more than 60 people. 40 years, audience of one. I've been so guilty. Of falling into this viral church and effective and pl- can you handle what I'm about to say? Yes. It's almost like we've gotten plastic. We're impressive. Everybody sounds the same. Everybody looks the same. Everything feels the same. We've lost distinction. I've told my wife one of the greatest fears, I hope you can handle this, you ready? I didn't say this last service, so who knows, this will go good. Let me look at who I'm about to say it to first. Okay, you can take it. I told my wife I won't be able to stay vibrant if we tame. If I feel I become domesticated, then if I feel like I have to be castrated to be effective, I don't know if i can do it i don't know if if you know this about me but i'm a little crazy and i gotta pastor a little bit of a crazy church i don't know if you know this about me but i'm a tongue talking i'm a holy spirit filled bible believing i'm a little wild and that's okay i'm not not down in any we all come from different backgrounds but 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 I, I just believe doing. You gotta have church that's a little crazy. It's okay to be a little wild again. It's okay to be outside the four walls of getting people saved and healed and delivered. It's okay, church. We gotta stop being afraid in 2022 to be authentic again. <laughs> Say stand it with me. Makes me feel like you like me. Yeah. Hear me right now. Is that what's lost is authenticity. Now hear me, I'm going to skip a thousand notes. Let me just wrap up this thing right here. That, that, it just can't be about impressing you to keep you. That, that just can't be what the church Christ is coming back for. That just can't be. There's no way that Christ coming back, he's looking for a church of just Pentecostals and Baptists and just blacks and just whites and just. No, he's looking for a spirit empowered, life giving, devil chasing. Am I talking to you? (laughs) I feel like I'm in the right. I feel like I got an untamed church today. I don't want you to think I'm beating up on the church. I'm not doing that. I'm a product of the church. I believe in the church. The church is God's plan A to save the world. There is no plan B. We need the church. But she has her imperfections, and every once in a while we may have to talk about it and just work through it. But God loves his church. And, and I need you to hear me today that, that, while I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, is I don't want you to get an attitude toward the church. Yeah, those big screens, we ain't taking them down, paid too much for those things, They ain't going nowhere. But don't you dare think if those screens turn off you can't worship. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just talking a little bit. It's raw today. I want to be a pastor that has the freedom with with um with taste, is that a good way to word it? Yeah. Because I hear people do, we're a free church and they're nuts, I don't wanna be nuts, I want none of that, that's crazy, right? You can have passion and freedom with discretion and taste. We're not scaring the community and freaking everybody out and if one of you bust a snake out, of it, I, you gotta leave, you can't come here. Don't be bringing those snakes into this church can not. you got to go to Alabama to do that. Hey, <laughs> Vernon, Alabama, am I right about it? <laughs> I'm not worried about the church because Jesus said, I'm the head of the church. And he said, it will last until I come back. He knows what he's doing. With that said, we just got to keep having family talks have family talk sometimes. Mm-hmm. Hear me today. We are a spirit-empowered church. We are a generous church. We are a diverse church. I said we are a diverse church. We're a loving church. We're a happy church. We are the we-get-loud-sometimes church. We are an imperfect church, but we are God's great church. And Jesus said on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Are you thankful for God's great church today?